Hello, and welcome to Notes in the Week Ahead, a JP Morgan Asset Management podcast that provides insights on the markets and the economy to help you stay informed in the week ahead. Hello, this is David Kelly. I'm Chief Strategist here at JP Morgan Asset Management. Today is October 31st, 2022. Among the many challenges of parenthood, is trying to get your kids to eat healthy food. As the children get older, the school lunchroom becomes one of the battlefields, with some kind of weekly menu posted online or sent home with the kids. Many of these menus appear to imply that the three essential food groups are sodium, fat, and sugar. However, some schools employ a little more imagination, both in providing healthy choices and evoking some interest in the fair to come. This week, the lunchrooms in our own local schools will feature rocking roll-ups on Monday, healthy half-days on Wednesday, and National Sandwich Day on Thursday, with vegetarian options available daily. I'm not quite sure what all that means, but it does sound interesting. For investors, there's a similarly interesting menu of information to digest in the week ahead. It'll be important to consider it carefully. However, as appeared to be the case last week, just getting more clarity on the key issues confronting markets could provide a tailwind for risk assets. Monday should be International Day, with the release of manufacturing PMI data from China and GDP and inflation numbers from the Eurozone. Last week saw the delayed release of third-quarter Chinese GDP and some monthly economic indicators. Growth came in slightly stronger than expected, at 3.9% year-over-year, while industrial production also surprised the upside. However, retail sales remained weak. Monday's reports of manufacturing PMI, according to both the market and NBS numbers, are expected to be close to 50, showing little momentum either way. However, the big questions for China remain. How will the country transition to living with COVID? Can the government gradually let the air out of the real estate bubble without huge damage to the economy and financial system? And, in the aftermath of the Chinese Communist Party Congress, will the government attempt to cool both economic and geopolitical tensions with the West? In the Eurozone, both consensus and our own now-casting model suggest Monday's real GDP report will show positive growth for the third quarter. However, the flash October reading on inflation could hit a new year-over-year high of over 10.5%. This, of course, is the reason for recent monetary tightening, with the ECB raising its policy rate by 0.75% last week to 1.5%, with many investors expecting further, smaller hikes in December and February. Even with this, however, it may be premature to assume that a European recession is inevitable. Most individual governments within the Eurozone have taken steps to alleviate the impact of higher energy prices on consumers, while the historically low level of the Euro should bolster foreign trade in the year ahead. Meanwhile, monetary tightening, while in theory a drag on the economy, has still left real interest rates in negative territory, and so should not cause major financial or economic stress. There are also, of course, very real dangers of recession in the United States, as the economy is battered by fiscal drag, mortgage rates at their highest levels since 2002, and a more than 17% rise in the dollar over the past year. However, the U.S. economy continues to have two important backstops against recession, which should be on display on Tuesday. First, while we believe the excess demand for labor is gradually fading, Job openings likely remain close to 10 million at the end of September, still far above the 7 million openings that existed before the pandemic. While job openings should continue to fall in the months ahead, the fact that they remain well above normal levels should continue to support strong job growth 
probably all the way into 2023. Second, according to industry reports, U.S. light vehicle sales may have climbed to between 14.5 and 15 million units at a seasonally adjusted annual rate in October. This would be the strongest reading since January and reflects gradually rising auto production and inventories from very low levels. However, it would still be far below the 17.2 million annualized rate achieved between 2015 and 2019, and returning to that level of sales as inventories normalize could provide a significant boost to real GDP growth over the next two years. This is not to say that the US economy can avoid recession indefinitely. However, it does suggest a delay in the onset of any recession, and the likelihood that if the economy does finally succumb to recession, it should be considerably milder than the huge downturns caused by the financial crisis and the pandemic. Wednesday will be dominated by the Federal Reserve, with the FOMC statement due at 2 p.m. and the chairman's press conference kicking off at 2.30 p.m. We expect, as does the futures market, that the Fed will raise the federal funds rate by 75 basis points. However, market attention will be focused on how they characterize the current economic situation and provide guidance on future moves. On the former, their September statement made literally no reference to any easing of inflation pressures. However, with energy prices well below their peaks, global food commodity prices easing, and global supply chain issues diminishing, they will likely feel compelled to acknowledge some improvement, while no doubt stressing that inflation remains too high. This, on its own, might be seen as slightly less hawkish. On expectations for the federal funds rate, the median forecast of FOMC participants at their September meeting was that the federal funds rate would end this year at between 4.25% and 4.5%. Given that it's currently pegged between 3 and 3.25%, and assuming that they do indeed raise rates by 75 basis points on Wednesday, this implies a 50 basis point hike in December. However, it's worth noting that of the 19 FOMC participants who provided forecasts in September, one was looking for an end-of-year number between 3 and 3 quarters and 4%, eight were between 4% and 4 and a quarter, nine were between 4 and a quarter and 4 and a half, and one was between 4 and a half and 4.75%. Unless the, the committee has turned markedly more hawkish over the last six weeks, and there's no really no reason to suppose that they have, they will likely still intend to keep the December rate hike to 50 basis points at a maximum. However, if that's what they intend, it would seem wise to at least broadly hint at this on Wednesday so that futures markets don't price in anything more aggressive, adding uncertainty to fixed income markets. Consequently, either in the FOMC statement or in Chairman Powell's opening statement at his press conference, we expect some reference to the idea that the next rate hike is likely to be smaller than the Fed's November move. It should be noted that as of Friday, markets were pricing in a 40% shot of a 75 basis point hike in December, so some assurance that this is not on the cards ought to be a positive for both stocks and bonds. Thursday should be the quietest day of the week from a market information perspective. There will be some interest in whether, now that UK fiscal policy appears likely to be tighter, the Bank of England feels that it can take less aggressive action at its meeting on Thursday. This could make sense, given that monthly data suggests that, unlike the US and the Eurozone, real GDP actually contracted in the UK in the third quarter. However, given the recent market turmoil over overly expansionary fiscal policy, it seems more likely that the Bank of England will match the 75 basis point hikes implemented by the Federal Reserve and the ECB. In the US, apart from weekly jobless claims, the focus may be on productivity. After two negative quarters, real output in the non-farm business sector rose by a healthy 2.8% annualized in the third quarter. 
And this, combined with a mild 1.1% annualised increase in employment, as measured by the Household Survey, suggests a decent quarterly pickup in productivity. However, the more important broad point is that since the fourth quarter of 2019, real GDP has grown at an annualised rate of 1.5%, while employment, as measured by the Household Survey, is essentially unchanged. This implies a roughly 1.5% productivity growth rate, which, while better than the 1.2% average seen over the prior 20 years, is not enough to generate strong economic growth going forward in an economy challenged by very weak labour force growth. Finally, Friday is Jobs Day, with the employment report due out at 8.30am. Our models suggest a gain of over 200,000 non-farm payroll jobs, with the unemployment rate edging down to a fresh 53-year low of 3.4%. This continued momentum should help soothe fears of imminent recession. However, an equally important issue will be the growth in average hourly earnings. We expect a 0.4% gain, which would cut the year-over-year increase to 4.8% in October, from 5% in September. If this occurs, it should send an important message to both the Federal Reserve and investors. For the former, it will provide further evidence that the labour market is in fact not causing an acceleration in inflation, and with real wages down even as productivity rises, wage growth is merely slowing the deceleration in inflation. For investors, it should provide a further demonstration of the power of American business to hold costs in check, even in the face of very tight labour markets. With just over half of the market cap of the S&P 500 reporting, fewer companies are reporting positive earning surprises than in any quarter since the onset of the pandemic. However, despite the challenges of rising interest rates, tight labour markets, a strong dollar, and slowing nominal GDP growth, companies appear to be doing a good job preserving margins. The next few quarters will remain challenging for equities. However, as unfolding events and data releases continue to diminish uncertainty, they also appear to be diminishing the risk of runaway inflation or deep recession, and consequently could be laying the foundation for both stocks and bonds to build on the recent rallies. Well, that's it for this week. Please tune in again next week, and if you have any questions in the meantime, please reach out to your JP Morgan representative. This content is intended for information only based on assumptions in current market conditions and are subject to change. No warranty of accuracy is given. This content does not contain sufficient information to support investment decisions. It is not to be construed as research, legal, regulatory, tax, accounting, or investment advice. Investments involve risks. Investors should seek professional advice or make an independent evaluation before investing. The value of investments and the income from them may fluctuate, including loss of capital. Past performance and yield are not indicative of current or future results. Forecasts and estimates may or may not come to pass. J.P. Morgan Asset Management is the asset management business of J.P. Morgan Chase & Company and its affiliates worldwide.